And he's making sure that the disciples around that table, in the confusion, in the stress of that dreadful Thursday night, hear the most important things they need to hear. So we are dropping in in the middle of something Jesus is telling them here. And verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. In a little while, you will see me no more. Then after a little while, you will see me. Mysterious words from our Saviour. Tell me, how many of us here are Beatles fans? Eh? And those of you who haven't put your hands up are lying. <laughs> how can you lie in church? Really. Given the popularity, I mean they still, I think, are the best-selling band ever. I mean, how do you do that? Most of their success was from love songs. Eh? Isn't that weird? So much so that after everything had split up and John and Paul weren't really talking to each other, but Paul was making money and John wasn't, John said, well, Paul only makes his money off silly love songs. So what did Paul do? He wrote and sang and published just another silly love song. Look it up, find it. It's there. But amongst all of that, remember help? Help me if you can. Eh? Remember yesterday? So amongst all their songs of love and celebration of love, if we listen carefully, there are those that actually say, I'm struggling. I need help. And I wonder if, amongst all our talk, with each other and with our even friends and family, we hear, but we don't really listen. We don't hear the heart. But that's a big question. And perhaps something worth unpacking on another day. Today as part of our Lent journey, we're looking at how do we know God's will for our lives. The short answer is bit by bit. Slowly. But you're not here for a short answer. Somewhere in my heritage, 
my ancestry, if you like, certain characteristics were bred into me. So you see flesh and blood in front of you, but that heritage built in a whole lot of different inherent characteristics. Just consider this. My family line descends from Yorkshire, from Scotland, and from Germany. You're not likely to find a more stubborn combination. Have you ever tried arguing with any one of those nations? You won't be successful. But that has produced in me a cocktail of, of traits that blend into extreme loyalty, pragmatism. You know, if there's a better, easier way of doing something, let's do it. Let's cut away the trimming and get to the fact. And determination. But also, those very same traits make it extremely difficult for me to ask for directions. No, ladies, it's not just a man thing. For me to admit wrong, even apologize sometimes. It makes it even harder for me to ask for help. Because, of course, I've got it. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. So you can imagine the immense internal, emotional, spiritual, intellectual wrestling that goes on when someone like me has to say, okay, so God, what's your will for my life? Because it's a case of admitting someone else is in control. There's that horrible English word called submission. That means I'm literally handing over. And that's hard. Let's not make light of it. It's an intense wrestle. But what's been proven consistent is that God always wins the fight. Now, that's just me. I'm sure each of us here has got a similar wrestle going on. We need to understand that submitting to God's plan for our lives does not mean, does not ever, ever mean that all choice has been removed. That we come little robotic automatons doing things because God has told us to do them. It does not mean ever that we can delay cutting the lawn because we're not sure if it's in God's will for us on that particular day. However, you're going to hear that word again. At the core of our relationship with Jesus is submission to God's will. 
we can be absolutely certain beyond any doubt that God has a plan for every single one of our lives. Your plan might be similar to someone else's, but it's not the same. It's unique to you. Your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your heritage to who you are. God has a plan. Our challenge is to work out how we live our whole life toward God. And it's harder than it sounds. How on earth, how on earth do we live toward God? Submitting always to God. Setting aside self, however strong self might be. Submit to God. How on earth do we do that? Imagine walking along a path that you've never walked before. Imagine you're walking along that path on a particularly dark and misty night. You're not going to be striding out, are you? Eh? Because you don't know the way. You can't even see your hand in front of your face. You're more than likely going to be taking very small steps, probably reaching out and feeling, just in case you bump into a tree, or you trip over a boulder, or... What's that lovely South African bush? The Wachabiki bush? Eh? If you're going down a path that you've never walked before, you're going to be going very tentatively. Then a familiar companion appears. One who knows the best way down the path. And he or she extends an arm to you. Won't you take that on? Wouldn't you take that on? And lean in and say, I'm so glad you're here. In the same way, we as followers of Jesus can lean in to the Holy Spirit. The one who already knows us. And knows us from the tip of our longest toe to the crown of our heads, knows us inside and out. We can lead into the Spirit and be guided through life. We've just read Jesus saying, I'm going, but there's a helper that will guide you to all truth. And isn't that where we want to be? Discovering all truth? In this, what we know to be the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes to a very young church and says to them, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Isn't that something we all want? Truth and freedom? There is the secret. Freedom. Freedom. 
God's life, following God's will for your life, so God's life, is not about handing every decision over to a heavenly micromanagement committee. Should I have milk in my tea or not? Should I go there before I go here? It's not that kind of thing. Finding God's will for your life. What it is about is growing closer and closer and closer still in our walk with Jesus. That's why we use words like transformed. Because nothing is ever transformed suddenly. We slowly grow in that relationship until we no longer act outside of the will of God. Think of folk you know that have been walking with Jesus a very, very long time. Somehow they just know when they're acting in the will of God and when they're not. Because they still don't occasionally. But you just have the sense of God's presence with you. Transformation is an eternal process. It really is. How long is eternity? That long. That long. But it takes us all of time to get there. It's more than a lifetime process. We only reach perfection when we are with Christ. That's good, solid Methodist doctrine. If you want to talk to me more about it later, do that. But it's a continual movement toward God. I honestly have never and cannot ever imagine God sitting at a massive desk with a panel of angelic assistants saying, hmm, Ellen's prayed for that today. Hold on, guys. Let's forget the poverty and the desperation and the war in Ukraine. Let's forget the injustice of the world. Ellen wants to buy a new car. Is it in our will or not? God doesn't do that. It really does not work like that. I'm sure that the small details we get so hung up about are put there by one who is not God. And I'm sure that God really doesn't mind where we live or what career we follow. Whether we go there on holiday or here on holiday. God really doesn't mind. He's given us freedom. But what God can assist with is your choice of life partner. But that's a story for another time and another place. What I am convinced of, beyond persuasion, it's that heritage spirit coming out again, you see, is that the Father 
the Son and the Holy Spirit are most interested in our hearts living and loving in His heart. Living our lives in intentional relationships. Intentional, we don't just hang around and wait for things to happen. We purposefully act in love with people and act in love with God. Regardless of our stubbornness, our quirky habits, in spite of our personal heritage, God wants us all to be willing companions. We get by with a bit of help from our friends. Forever learning as disciples, forever living out the law of love each and every moment of each and every day. And that, my friends, is really good news. Because of love, God wants us just to be who we are. To be real with Jesus. After all, He knows us intimately anyway. So who are we trying to kid if we pretend to be someone else? And when we enter that kind of relationship, leaning into the Holy Spirit, by His grace we are transformed to be the most Christ-like we can be. Early in the 13th century, Richard of Chichester, who was one of the bishops at the time, wrote this prayer. Thanks be to you, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits you have given me, for all the pain you have borne for me. O merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know you more clearly, love you more dearly, follow you more nearly, day by day. Isn't that a very modern prayer? Eh? Written all those years ago. That, my friends, is how we discover God's will in our lives. To know more clearly, to love more dearly, and follow more nearly, day by day. Amen.